inside my DNA. They clear out for Merrill. Tied at 56. Merrill for the lead. He's got it! Oh my goodness. Five coming. Long. Blown coverage. Shot. Blown coverage. Touchdown, Utah State. Walking in is Aaron Vaughn. coverage. 43 seconds left. Utah State back in front. What's up, Aggies, and welcome to The Breakdown. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time. Welcome to a very episode of the Basketball Season Preview, where we talk about the two times defending Mountain West champions, your Utah State Aggies. Guys, I'm extremely excited about this episode. It'll be a special basketball preview, so we'll be talking about the season coming up, uh, projections, things like that. Um, As an Aggie sports fan, it has been somewhat rough this past little while, and so hopefully this basketball team will be able to give us something to cheer for and look forward to uh, going on, going on into, you know, this season. So today we're going to talk predictions, player profiles, this week's upcoming game against Wichita State, and a few more things. Uh, Hopefully, we will also have a a guest on today's show, my, my good friend Ryan Corbett, who is a third-year team manager um, who will give his thoughts and opinions on the team as well. So let's get started. First of all, if you haven't seen already, Sam Merrill was selected with the 60th pick in the NBA draft. With the 60th pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the New Orleans Pelicans select Sam Merrill from Utah State University. And this is awesome. An absolute Aggie legend. Finished second all-time leading in scoring in Utah State basketball history, and just an amazing guy, amazing competitor. If you don't remember, he's the one that hit the shot to uh, win us that Mountain West title last year. He He's everything that, that you want and everything that you ask for in a, in a player, and so we're going to miss Sam a lot, but you know he put in his time here, and now he's off to the NBA, and that is so exciting. Uh, if you guys are watching the NBA and, and just kind of everything that's going on, you might realize that the the Bucks, for instance, haven't even like tweeted about Sam Merrill or something like that. And there's a reason for that. They don't just not like him. Uh, the reason is is that that trade or the pick that he got picked at is involved in a trade that is just about to go through. So once that trade goes through, Sam will officially be a Milwaukee Buck, and I'm sure we'll see some news about him in the next days coming forward. So yeah, kind of a weird situation, but Sam Merrill will be a Milwaukee Buck, which is awesome. He's going to go to a championship contending team. Um, I've actually heard from some of his friends that Giannis and Chris Middleton have reached out to him to uh, congratulate him and just express how excited they are going forward. So really cool. I think he got in a, he got in a place where they really do want him and do need him. Um, apparently another organization called him and said, Hey, if you don't get drafted, we'll give you a three year deal, $1.4 million guaranteed, which is unheard of for an undrafted rookie. Uh, even in the second round this year, that's that, that contract is unheard of. But when the, when the Milwaukee Bucks heard that, they said, you know what, we'll match it and we'll take you at the number 60 pick. So that's where we are now. Congratulations, Sam Merrill. Uh, truly awesome. And, uh, best of luck going forward. 
we'll uh you know we've never we've never been able to really do an NBA player profile and so that's going to be pretty awesome going forward so congratulations to Sam Merrill well that is the past and what's past is behind us so let's look forward let's look to the future so let's see what we have with this Utah State basketball team so already going into the season we're we're a little unsure about how good we really are or how good we're really supposed to be um, like I just said, we lost Sam Merrill. We we also lost Diogo Brito, Abel Porter, and a few other uh, bench players. And so, you know, that's that's a lot. Uh, Abel Porter was a great floor general, got to move the ball around very well. Diogo Brito seemed to hit shots in big moments and also make very big defensive plays. And then, of course, Sam Merrill, uh, the clutch gene in his body, just a scorer, passer, everything. I mean, that's why he's in the NBA. And so we're, we're losing a lot of efficiency just in Sam, but then also with Diogo and Abel. And so it's going to be kind of that next man up. And luckily, um, Coach Smith was able to take this offseason and go recruiting and did a fantastic job. We also got a couple guys coming back from their missions. We got somebody uh, who we're going to talk about here in a second that's finally available, who was a transfer from Virginia. So we, we also gained a lot of players, and it's going to be very interesting to see how good of a team we are going forward. You know, uh, we're going to be talking the schedule here in a second, but it's I wouldn't be surprised if we have a first couple tough weeks. This is a team that, you know, and, and a couple of players that really haven't been able to play against the type of competition and talent that we're going to go up against. And so expect them to kind of, you know, still be finding their groove and, and, and their identity as a team. But we do have high hopes still, and so does the Mountain West. Uh, we were predicted to finish third in the Mountain West behind San Diego State and Boise State. So, you know, third is, is better than last. And, and uh, you know, honestly, predictions aren't don't, don't mean a whole lot. We were predicted to finish eighth two years ago, and we finished first. Then we were predicted to win it outright last year and finish second and then won the tournament. So predictions are, you know, are, are just that, predictions. But... Where, what, I, what, I, what I'm trying to say with that is if the Mountain West thinks we're going to finish third, we should have a pretty decent team still. And I believe that we do. I think we have a fantastic team, a team that could honestly be better than last year's team if, if we play our cards right. So let's, uh, let's do that. Let's get into this. Um, my, my biggest question, and one that I'm going to ask my friend here in a, in a second, is what are we going to do on offense? Because... We, we lost Sam Merrill. So are we going to try and replace that and replace his scoring? Or are we going to play a different way altogether? Um, a lot of questions around that. For instance, when, when the shot clock is winding down, who's going to take that shot? Or when the game is winding down, who's going to take those shots? Obviously, it was Sam Merrill last season. All you have to look at is the Mountain West Tournament highlights to know that. Uh, he was absolutely crazy against Wyoming, against New Mexico, against San Diego State, and and really kept us in those games and then ultimately won them for us. So that's a big piece. You know, that's that's something that goes beyond just general scoring ability. You know, putting up 20 points a game is somebody that can put up points when you really need it. And so I'm very interested to see who that guy is going to be going forward. I do think we have a couple of options. And, and honestly, if we play team ball, Hopefully no games will come down to the wire and we'll just be able to kind of cruise to a victory. So that's kind of my biggest question going into this season. So let's go ahead and talk about this team and who our starters are going to be, who our bench is going to be, and and so on. So obviously, 
you know, the season hasn't started, so this is the predictions. But going in with our point guard, we do have Marco Anthony. He is a Virginia transfer, and this guy is an athletic beast. Um, super thick, athletic, extremely selfless point guard. Who's he's, he's going to be amazing addition on defense and a true point guard on offense. From what I've heard, don't expect a ton of perimeter shooting from Marco. Um, more of a, I, I like to compare him to Russell Westbrook, but the good parts of Russell Westbrook, you know, he's extremely selfless and does anything it takes to get the job done. And I think Marco uh, is is very much like that. And I think Marco, his athletic build and, and his playing style is going to allow us to really create some unique opportunities that, to be honest, we just we just couldn't last year. You know, Abel Porter, great floor general, wasn't the most athletic. And so I think we're going to get a huge boost on defense when it comes to Marco Anthony. He is one that actually had to sit out last season. So he was with our team last season, but had to sit out uh, due to eligibility reasons and transfer reasons. So be looking for Marco Anthony. At, at our next spot, the number two, we have Brock Miller. Uh, Brock Miller is one that Aggie Nation is very familiar with. He's been playing here for the past couple of years. And he's honestly one who last season struggled. He struggled shooting the ball and went in slumps, you know, up and down. He'd have games where, you know, we were on the road and we needed a bucket. And all of a sudden, here comes Brock and he hits like three threes in a row and was huge in some games. In other games, he just wasn't that and tried to shoot out of his slump. And it just didn't seem to work for a little bit. But Brock is somebody who can be an elite perimeter threat. He's also somebody that that makes the de- that stretches the defense in the fact that they know they have to step out on Brock Miller. They can't just leave him open, or he is going to shoot it. And he does. He shoots a lot of them, and he makes a good amount, but he misses a good amount as well. So I am really excited to see what the plan is for him moving forward. I wonder if they're going to ask him to be more of a, a dribble and shoot kind of guy or more of a dribble and pass, you know, creating plays. What what Where do they want Brock to to end up as far as the season goes? But I do believe he will get the number two position here at our shooting guard. And at the number three, we have Alfonso Anderson. Fonzie is, once again, a player that a lot of Aggie Nation loves, a player who hit big shots in big games. And uh, I'm extremely excited to see what, what he brings to the table. He's actually the only senior who's going to be getting starting minutes. And yeah, I mean, Fonzo just has great potential. When he is used correctly in offense, he just finds ways to score, especially when he and Justin Bean are paired up together. They just seem to work. Uh, we saw that in, I believe it was the LSU game. It might have been the North Texas game last season when Fonzo had so many points. It, one reason is because him and Justin were just moving the ball so well between each other. And so I'm excited to see that kind of one-two punch in the down low. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll kind of see what happens with Fonz. I think the only part where the, the coaching staff is a little worried about him is on defense. He just he, he kind of is a mix between a three and a four. And so it just kind of struggles putting him into defensive sets. But I do think his offense is... is awesome and will give us great opportunities going forward now we get into everybody's crowd favorite justin bean uh looks like justin will most likely be getting start here at the four position and this is a player that had a great season last year and you guys know justin he just does whatever it takes to win games Uh, but i think he and the staff are actually hoping that he can make the next jump forward and become more of a creative offensive threat 
If you watched him last season on offense, most of his points last year came off of his hustle and rebounding or cutting to the basket, you know, off-ball motion, just doing all those hustle plays that you need a player to do, sort of like a Clay Thompson type. Doesn't take too many dribbles, but when he gets the ball, he does a lot with it. And I think that's what the coaching staff and himself are actually kind of hoping that he can turn more into that Clay Thompson type with his shooting and can become more of a threat from three-point from the long two mid-range section because he's already got it in the paint, fantastic paint player. But if he can take that next step on offense, I think he will greatly improve as a player and greatly improve our team as well. But either way, expect Justin to be a huge part of offense and defense going forward. And last but not least, our center, Nemeas Keita. Man, it feels good to say that. It feels good to have him back. If you remember last season, he missed the first few games. He was actually injured. He had a knee injury. uh, And it took him a while to get going. It took him a while to get his stride back. I think at the beginning of the season, some fans were a little bit frustrated when he wouldn't go up and just dunk it and finish it really hard with authority. He would just lay the ball up or try to lay the ball up, and and it was kind of frustrating. But honestly, I do credit that a lot to his lingering knee issue, but it did not seem like an issue towards the end of the season when he really started feeling healthy, in my opinion. And this is just a crazy little stat here. But over the final 10 games of the season, Keita averaged 15.6 points, 9.4 rebounds, and 2.4 blocks per game while shooting 60% from the floor, and that's over 30 minutes per game. So, I mean, he he's recovered. Nemeas is recovered, and he is the Nemeas everybody loves. I remember people saying, oh, I don't know if he's draft ready. You know, after the start of last season, I was saying, look, he's coming off a knee injury. Look at where he's at now. So, Keita is, is a beast. Uh, we, we need him to stay healthy, and I do think that we're going to run our offense through him quite a bit, and I think we can. Because both on offense and defense, he just gets the job done. He, once again, a crowd favorite. I really hope they're going to let fans in the the stands this season because I really am excited to watch this Utah State basketball team and uh, and Nemeas Keita. So I think he he got selected to the preseason All-Mountain West first team. And I I truly believe that he he can make a run to be the Mountain West player of the year. Uh, if he keeps up those numbers, you know, 15.6 points a game, 10 rebounds, and 2.4 blocks a night, that's that's fantastic. And and he will be in the NBA next season if that happens. So hopefully Nemeas Keita can can do that. And uh, I'm, I'm excited. I think Justin Bean pairs extremely well with Keita. So actually, if you look at it, Utah State was the number 11th best team in defensive rebounding last season. So we're, we're getting both of those guys back, Keita and Bean. So once again, we look at the Sam situation and we say, man, we're losing so much in, on offense with Sam. But you have to look at these other things in the fact that this team was a, a, a team. You know, we were extremely good in assists. We were one of the top in the nation in assists per game. And once again, one of the top of the nation on, in defensive rebounding. So those those are things that I expect to continue going forward. And with Coach Smith, I mean, that's Coach Smith's playing style. So I expect us to to be doing that going forward as well. And I expect the team to be to be working like a team. And that's why I say we have potential to actually be even better this next season is, I mean, if we can bring all the pieces together, then I think we'll be very impressive because I'm going to get into right here, but our bench is actually very deep as well. 
You know, guard Sean Bairstow played a lot of minutes last season, so he is he is Mountain West ready. You know, he uh, he looks like a little bit skinnier of a guy. He's put on a little bit of meat, but Sean Bairstow was was a great point guard when he needed him to be point guard. He was fantastic in the New Mexico game, I believe it was, until he went down with an injury. And that's, you know, things like that are just sad. But he he played well, and I think he's going to be playing well going forward. So if Sean Bairstow, you know, coming off the bench, I mean, that's that's fantastic. We'll have Kuba back. He'll be a senior. Um, but I, I actually think the number two center here is going to be Trevin Dorius. Trevin Dorius is a player, a sophomore, seven-footer. Who, who played a little bit, of, you know, a few games last season, great defense, uh, great rebounding. What what seemed off was his offensive ability. He just seemed to lose the ball or not really be able to, to be a true threat on offense. However, I think that's changing. Uh, he was just fresh off of an LDS mission last season when the season started, and so I think he kind of got his legs under him. And and from what I'm what I've heard and what, what I've heard from camp is that uh, he's a great player. Trevin Dorius is going to be awesome. So, I mean, having him come off the bench and then Kuba as well, I think will be great. Uh, another two players who I'm extremely excited for, Steven Ashworth. He's going to be a true freshman as well. Just came off of his mission. He led Lone Peak to like three state titles or something like that. So Steven Ashworth is a, is a baller. He is a true point guard. But the only question mark with him is how is he going to do against this Mountain West talent? And I think that he'll be doing very well kind of a Abel Porter-esque type player, I believe. And then Roly Worster, another guard. Roly Worster won tons of awards in Montana, was the top recruited player out of Montana, and Utah State got him. And I'm extremely excited about this kid. From everything that I'm hearing, he is a shooter, he's a defender, he's a passer. If anybody is going to play like the next Sam Merrill, it's Roly Worster. The only question mark surrounding him is once again, how will he fare against Mountain West talent and against this higher talent? So I am excited to see how he does. We added a couple of uh, international players as well. I'm going to butcher their names. So Zahar Vedeshev, a uh, a guard. Uh, Max Sholga, another guard. And then Simon Zapala, uh, the, a center. So And then once again, we do have Liam McChesney from Canada. Liam is a is a great shooter, a great offensive threat. Just needs to bulk up a little bit, I think, so that he can be more of a defensive threat as well. But this team looks good. Not a lot of red shirts going on this season. Uh, everyone's expecting to play a little bit, and I really like that. I think, you know, the the one of the reasons for that is because the eligibility uh, issue. I I believe that all players will be granted another year if they would like. And so I think there's just no need to do red shirts and, the, and we can let kind of everybody play. So hopefully everyone will be able to play. Hopefully everyone will be able to get minutes. But once again, guys, I am extremely excited about this basketball team. Well, welcome to the podcast, Ryan Corbett. How you doing, man? Not too bad, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. So if, if you're listening at home, you don't know who Ryan is. He is a third year team manager. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Awesome. Third year team manager. And this year he's kind of the, the head honcho. So he'll be traveling with the team a lot, uh, making sure that they're prepped for game day. And of course, as they head to the bad boy mowers classic tournament, which they'll be playing in tomorrow night, Ryan's there to make sure things are going smoothly and, and running, running well. And Ryan's a good friend of mine. So hopefully we'll be able to have him on a couple of times and, 
and have a good conversation. But Ryan, first of all, overall impressions of the, uh, the tournament where you guys are at right now. Yeah, so obviously I'm here live from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, not where I envisioned, you know, spending Thanksgiving, <laughs> but we'll take it. If the we're buzzling able to play town. Some games, right? Mount Rushmore is like four or five hours away. We were hoping we'd be a little bit closer, but it's all good. <laughs> um, but yeah, the setup is pretty crazy, actually. Like we're we're literally in a bubble, if you can imagine, just like kind of like how the NBA did it uh, a few couple months ago. Um, basically, no one comes in or out of the hotel. The only the only people that are allowed to stay in our hotel are the eight teams in the tournament. And so it is kind of funny walking around, like going to like team meals or practice or whatever, and kind of seeing just the other teams or other coaches, and you're just like, oh, uh, what's up, man? Yeah, I was <laughs> gonna so, say. So, so you see them quite a bit. Yeah, I've, I chatted with some, like, West Virginia assistants, I think, last night in the elevator, and they were just joking about how crazy it's been and how they've had to scout, like, three or four different teams that they thought they were playing. And I was like, yeah, well, we're in the same boat. So it, it's kind of nice to know that at least every team's going through the same thing. But, but yeah, so, like, the only, team, the only people in here are the eight teams. And then the only reason we leave the hotel is really just to go to the bus, which takes us straight to the arena, which is about – it's only, like, five, ten minutes away from our hotel – um and then once we get there we you know practice our games and then after that it's just right back to the hotel so wow. all the meals are, are all the meals are just uh in-house and everything and so we really just don't go anywhere i mean it's it's a little different not something i'm used to but i mean it's worth it to play some games you know yeah that's what i was gonna say i mean as long as we can play games and also eliminate the risk of COVID canceling future games. I think anything's pretty much worth it. So mm-hmm. it's a pretty big tournament. Um, I was telling the podcast that we got accepted or really kind of, we were the replacements of Ohio state when they left. And then at the beginning of the podcast, I was talking about how we're going to be playing Wichita state, but that is actually a lie. So Wichita state just dropped out as well. And so their replacement is VCU. So Utah state will be playing VCU tomorrow night. And uh, I'm sure this is pretty confusing for the coaching staff, and it's probably pretty difficult to prepare for. So what, what's the team doing to try and prepare for now VCU after already taking a while to, to prepare for Wichita State? Yeah, so it's kind of funny when the when this season, like the real practices first started kicking off um, a little like a month ago or so, Coach Smith was just like, hey guys, just so you know, the season's going to be a little bit different. Things are going to hit us that we're not ready for, but uh, his classic line is control the controllables. And so he said that a little while back and I was like, yeah, whatever. Like, I'm sure only like maybe a game or two will get, you know, maybe changed around or whatever. But then uh, as we flew into Sioux Falls last night, right as we touched down um, and then got to the the hotel, our hotel host, who basically is the the person in charge of our team in the hotel that gets us any accommodations we need, she hopped on our bus and was about ready to escort us into the hotel. And then she was like, Hey guys, uh, just so you know, I know you're planning on playing Wichita state, but they just got here and uh, they're actually heading home because of some, obviously some COVID protocols that every team has to go through when they get to the hotel. And so we so all that's just how you found out. Yeah. That's how everyone's kind of found out. The, bus. The host. Yeah. The hostess lady just hops on and is like, Hey, change of plans, everybody. And we're all like, just kind of, I don't know. I don't even know if flabbergasted is the right word, but everyone's jaw just kind of dropped. Like we just did, a, you know, a couple of days of prep, watched a couple hours of film, practiced all, a bunch of plays for Wichita, and now all of a sudden we're just gonna have to take a 360 and go with the, in a different direction. But it was actually pretty cool that Coach Smith hopped up uh, right 
right before or right after she said that and was just like and he kind of just said the same thing that I mentioned about a month ago he was like you know what guys like we talked about this you know we shouldn't be surprised expect the unexpected these things are going to happen he had a really good attitude about it and I think that actually calmed down the team a lot uh it's not like everyone wasn't like stressing or anything but they were definitely you know on high alarm or alert just hearing that and so coach yeah. was able to kind of rally the troops again and just say you know what let's just let's just get at it you know and keep going for VCU so so last night as you can expect uh probably every coach was up in the late you know a.m hours watching film on personnel studying you know plays or whatever uh, anything they can do to kind of get a head start on that prep because we usually take about two to three days of prep for a team and knowing that we only have you know a day and a third of a day or something you know that's kind of a disadvantage but at the same time, VCU's got the same thing they're going through for us. So I guess we can only complain so much. Let's just hope Wichita State didn't pass over their notes to their their conference uh, <laughs> right? teammates in VCU. Yeah. Well, thank you, man. That's pretty insightful uh, for the every, you know, average Aggie listener or Aggie fan doesn't really know what the team goes through. Obviously, it goes through a lot. And a lot more goes into basketball games than just stepping on the court and playing them. There's a lot of preparation, uh, a lot of planning. And so when you can have to throw out the window, I'm sure it's pretty difficult and I'm sure the coaches are stressing. But at the same time, like you said, control the controllables and uh, hopefully this team will be ready. So speaking of the team, there are some new faces. Um, Luckily, we actually did not lose too many players. We just lost a few really good ones. So mm-hmm. I talked to the podcast about uh, Abel Porter. Obviously, he's leaving a good floor general for this team. Um, Diogo Brito, a defensive, you know, assassin. And, uh, and then obviously Sam Merrill got drafted number 60 to the, Mo- 60 to the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, how do you replace Sam Merrill? I mean, what, in your opinion, Ryan, and what you've seen in this offseason, how is the team approaching the, you know, the, the loss of Sam Merrill? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's – if that was a, a question that could just be answered in one sentence, I, I wish I knew. But uh, over the past couple months, like like you said, there's a lot of new faces this year. And there's eight freshmen on the team, and then there's nine total players that haven't even worn an Aggie uniform yet in a game. And I, I bet you guys will probably see a, a good majority of those guys playing this week in some, you know, in some fashion in our three games so that'll be fun for Aggie Nation to see some of the new faces. But back to your question, though, about, about Sam, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's tough to replace someone of that caliber. And maybe the word replace is the wrong way to use it because I don't think there is a possible way to replace the quality of the knowledge he brings to the game, the yeah, attention to detail, the skill in general, and obviously just the insane shooting ability he has. But what I think, what I think is pretty cool is the new guys we've brought in uh, – they all have specific skill sets that are a little unique to one another. And obviously I'm not, I'm not part of the recruiting process with the coaches, but it almost seems like it gels in like a perfect puzzle this year. So with all the freshmen that we brought in, or obviously Marco Anthony's going to be, he's a junior. He's going to be putting on an Aggie Jersey for the first time in a game, all those pieces that those guys bring every new person to the team. It's something unique that I think together, you know, I'll never use the word replace for Sam Merrill, but, it's something that can be a good, <clears throat> a good alternative, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that totally and so, does. And I think yeah, that's the question that, that most people had was like, you obviously can't replace Sam Merrill. 
so are we going to be playing a total different style of basketball or, you know, where do we go from there? And I know that Utah State is always one of the top in the nation, well, at least under Coach Smith, in assists per game and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, really running our offense on, on off-ball motions and, and moving the ball. So do you think we're just going to continue seeing more of that? You know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that about the assists. I think the guys that have come in that, I've, you know, that we've been seeing in practice, they, their passing ability is insane. Like, that's probably one thing. I, I missed a lot of the summer camps just because I was working. But once I got back to start the new school year with everybody and started kind of working with the new guys, I, the, one of the number one thing that I think I'm amazed with is their ability to pass and see the floor, like almost every single freshman that we have, a new guy. And so I think the ball distribution is going to be insane. It's, it it kind of reminds me of watching the San Antonio Spurs sometimes in practice with how well we zip the ball back and forth or in and out, like to the post of the wing. It's insane. But but collectively with all these guys on the team, though, there's like there's the shooting, there's the passing, there's the the defense, the, the really smart mindset, attention to detail. Like these guys have it all. And so uh, I, I've, you're not the first person to kind of ask me about like the replacing like the people that we lost the last year, which obviously like, you can never replace them, but I do think that our team's going to be really deep and arguably just as talented, if not more. Awesome! Oh, that is really good to hear um, from a from a from a fan standpoint. And so, I just got two more questions for you, Ryan. Then I'll let you go. Go for it. Um, but first, there's just some big question marks in our uh, in our backcourt in Marco Anthony, um, you know, Sean Berso, Stephen Ashworth. There's kind of that mix at the one mm-hmm. position. And, you know, we, we've seen Sean Berstow. We know that he's legit. He's an athlete, and he's also, you know, good ball protector, good passer. Um, we've also heard great things and seen good things in Marco Anthony and Steven Ashworth as, as great point guards, you mm-hmm. know, in their respective careers. The only problem, however, is we just haven't seen Marco and Steven against, you know, Mountain West talent or this mm-hmm. NCAA talent that we're going to be playing. And so how do you think they adjust to the, you know, the higher level of, of playing style of the Mountain West and, and of Utah State basketball? Trying not to be as biased as I can or to be, like, as unbiased as I can, you know. I I think those two specifically, at least Marco and Steven, I don't think they're really going to have many issues, if any, adjusting to the Mountain West style of play. I've seen both of them in action, you know. Marco for the past, you know, year and a half and then Steven for the past few months. And those guys bring it. They're two of the biggest – uh, energy producers in practice they're helping the team you know stay strong and stay you know I guess stay alive like going strong in practice like those two really bring the pace and set it and so I I think those two and I know a lot of people always try to ask like well who's going to start who's going to play and I don't know I just don't think that because I really have no idea about the starting lineup or anything and there's only room for so many players to play at once but I wouldn't be surprised if all three of those guards that you mentioned all have a huge role in the team this year, as far as minutes go and production. So we'll see, we'll see about the individual roles that get set. You know, we'll, we'll know that obviously tomorrow night, but besides that, like I guarantee you all those guys are going to be really helping us out. Like we're going to need each of those guards that that you just mentioned. Yeah, that's good to hear. And I'm, I'm with you. I actually wouldn't be surprised if, if one, they all have, you know, large roles in this, in this uh, team, but then two, if, if we see multiple starters this season, I know that mm-hmm. coach Smith last season would switch up the starting rotations, you know, based off of who we would play. And I think that yeah. means a lot. I think as a player, you always want to be a starter, obviously, but if, if you have players humble enough to say, you know what, maybe I shouldn't start and I can help more off the bench this game. I think that's huge. And so 
I'm with you. I wouldn't doubt it if we see, you know, if our next game we have totally different starters than than this VCU game. So either way, mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see them, especially, uh, you know, I talked about Nemes Keda and just how much of a beast he is and, and how over the past 10 games in the Mountain West, he is or in his, you know, last season, he has been yeah. an absolute wrecking <laughs> ball, both on offense and defense. So, you know, there's a lot of knowns in Justin and in Brock and Nemius, but then there's also a lot of unknowns. And so I think that's just what the, the fans are really excited to see. And, and hopefully it's on full display tomorrow night against VCU. Mm-hmm. So my last question for you, Ryan, um, and this is one that, once again, you might not know the answer to, but the game is tied. The clock is running out, and we've got the ball in our hands. Who's taking the shot? Hmm. Well, it's. I think you kind of answered your own question the past 30 s- seconds or so. It's really just going to depend on the game plan and the team that we're playing. And I know that's probably the answer that people hate to hear because they want to know, like, who's that closer or go-to guy. But I think the what separates a good team from a great team is being able to have multiple of those players. And so I and I do think that we're great. We're elite, we're an elite program, back-to-back Mountain West champs. And obviously, obviously the past couple of years, you know, it usually was Sam taking those shots. But this year, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if you're seeing multiple guys where plays are being drawn up for in that last second shot. That's awesome. That's good to hear. Do you think? Because I mean, if you look at the way we played last year, even we even with Sam, we never really used him as that you know, elite closer until the Mountain West tournament when it was kind of mm-hmm. balls to the wall and, and yeah, do or die. Sam, go for it. So I, I, I agree. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a couple different people. Um, do you think though, just from watching in practice, do you think that over the course of a season, do you think somebody will kind of emerge as that guy? Yeah, I, I think that, and obviously I'm not trying to, be that annoying you know cliche answer but I think one to three guys are gonna turn into those guys I don't know if there's gonna be one set guy where every time it's like okay you're the closer you're gonna take the shot because coach Smith is such a good coach that some of the plays that he draws up especially like end of game scenarios we practice those a lot there's so many like different opportunities for different guys to take the shot but what I would say is hold on to that question and Aggie fans who maybe are wondering you know the same thing hold on to that question and kind of watch as the season progresses. Cause I think you're going to be able to kind of tell for yourself who these players are that are developing. Cause right now, you know, day before game one, it's hard to say, like, I'd like to say that maybe player A and B will be the guys, but maybe as the games go on, maybe they're not, or maybe players C and D start to become those guys. And so that's, that's the most exciting part of this season is getting to see who's going to step up because we've got, We've got like 16 players and one through 16, there's no red shirts this year. So everyone's able to come in and play. And so yep. it's going to be exciting to see which one or two or three or however many of those guys can step up for that. Yeah. I, I love to hear that. Honestly, team ball has the best ball and you're, you're kind of right. I mean, I love the, I love our comparison to the San Antonio Spurs. Um, hopefully we can have, you know, continued success like them as well, as well. But when you think of the Spurs in their prime with Ginobili, with Parker, with Duncan, you know, and you mm-hmm. think, who was the one taking the last shot? Well, in my head, I, I don't immediately think of any one of those guys taking the last shot. It yeah, was just kind be, of where the game went. So mm-hmm. I love that answer, and, and I totally agree. And either way, man, I am just so excited to watch this team and, and to get Aggie basketball back in, in full. I, I know I said last question, but I lied to you. I got one more for you. Go for it. 
And this is about uh, mine and your good friend, Justin Bean. So uh -huh. Justin, in the past, I mean, he's a coach's dream, does everything you want him to and more. Uh, off ball, he runs, he hustles, he works hard. And last year, and I think before that too, you see him getting a lot of his points um, because of his movement, you know, moving off the ball, cutting to the basket, or offensive rebounding, getting tip-ins, you know, hustle plays like that. Um, do you think that Justin is going to develop more into a creative shooting role? Or will he continue to dominate in the role that he did last year? So a little bit of both. Obviously, his game is, is his game. You know, he's not going to become a completely different player. But, but what I will say is, at least from watching him in practice a couple months, like, holy cow, he's been developing, like, other, other parts of his game. Like, he's not going to be hesitant to shoot some threes. He's going to have some plays drawn up for him by a coach, specifically for him to get open, whether it's mid-range three-pointer, you know, on an end out, whatever. He's going to be a huge part of the offense, as well as we already know that he's a huge part of the defense. So he's going to be stepping up in a lot of categories. And I don't just say that because he's my roommate and probably my like one of my closest <laughs> friends. Like, you know, like I could go off all day about how he's developing. And the same with a lot of our other guys. Like, I know it's it's easy to think that like someone like Mimi or whoever like just has it all and they're already set. But our guys are developing, like even the ones that you guys already know about. So it's it's so fun to see, but but back to Justin though. You're right though. Like he's gonna be doing more than more than what he did last year, and he's still got a lot of long ways to go. Yeah, no, but that is such a good good thing to hear. Um, and honestly, this might be a weird comparison to you and to those listening, but I've actually, I've actually always kind of compared Justin to a a Clay Thompson type. I don't know if you remember, but Clay Thompson will have these big games and he'll only take like four dribbles. And that's kind of how, how Justin works, you know, moving off ball and stuff. He just finds ways to get open and then, and then either drives to the lane and knocks it down or, or gets that tip in, like I said. And so hopefully as far, you know, I think play style is similar. Shooting, obviously, Clay Thompson probably has a little bit of an edge over Justin. But I, I hope that Justin can continue to develop that, that three and that mid-range shooting so that he can become that elite catch-and-shoot threat as well. So, Ryan, thank you so much for, uh, for calling in. I, I hope that we can honestly make this sort of a weekly thing. Um, I know that you're busy, but I, we, I love hearing from you. I love talking to you about Utah State basketball, and, and I'm excited going forward uh, to watch this team. Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I love being on with you, man. I hope, I hope a couple fans have been listening and hopefully got something out of this. But if they didn't, at least I did for sure. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. Okay, Ryan, thanks for uh, – Thanks for calling in, and we'll talk to you soon. Go Aggies. Yes. All right, brother. Later. Bye. Okay. Thank you once again to my good friend, Ryan. Uh, I agree with him on a lot of his takes. It's going to be a great season. I think we're going to see a, a different Utah State team, but similar in the way that Coach Smith coaches this team. So I am very excited going forward. Well, let's jump into the season. Let's jump into our the first matchup of the season this Wednesday against Wichita State. Wichita State if you're not familiar with uh, college basketball, they're always there. They are just in the picture always. I, I actually compare them a lot to us in a sense that they just seem to find a way to always make it to the tournament, always be in the top of their conference. You know, not a huge program, but just once again, always there. So Wichita State is actually predicted to finish fifth in a very good American conference. They are dealing with some of their own problems right now. A couple of gray clouds after their head coach just resigned like six days ago. 
um, over some some weird allegation things that we won't really get into, but they do have an interim head coach right now, and they lost some of their key players as well. So I think they're they're kind of similar to us in the sense that they've got a lot of question marks about this season, and uh, it's going to be good. So so this Wednesday's game is actually part of what's called the Bad Boys Mower Classic in South Dakota. So there's some big names in this tournament. I believe uh, St. Mary's is in this tournament. Um, Wichita State. Let's see. Let's look at some of these other ones. Creighton, West Virginia, Northern Iowa, Memphis. So some some good teams in this tournament. And potentially we could really bulk up our, our strength of schedule, which is already pretty good. Uh, you know, if we can get this first win against here, here against Wichita State. So Ohio State was the ones that actually pulled out of the tournament due to COVID concerns. And so we, we got the, the green light and we were put in as the replacement and we'll be playing Wichita State November 25th. So I'm, I'm excited about this uh, matchup. I mean, right from the get-go, playing a great team with a great opportunity and, you know, normally in the season, you kind of have these exhibition games where you play these random teams and, and just kind of roll them. And, you know, it's just kind of a warm up and, and we won't have that. You know, we're getting thrown right into the fire, which can be a good and a bad thing. Because looking ahead, our strength of schedule right at the beginning of our schedule is actually quite difficult. So this is going to be a big trying time for a team. These are games that are, are must wins, especially if we want an at-large bid in the NCAA tourney. We can drop a couple of them, but we need most of them. And so I'm excited to see how our team goes. I mean, these first couple of weeks, once again, they're going to be trying. They're going to be difficult. I wouldn't be surprised if we we kind of are searching for an identity. But I also wouldn't be surprised if our team, you know, fights through it, fights through the adversity, and, and gets the job done. Okay, guys, so let's take a second to talk about VCU. I apologize for... Just how crazy everything has been in this podcast. If there's big discrepancies between what I'm saying in the beginning of the podcast, talking about Wichita State, and then now talking about VCU, I apologize. The reason for that is because mid-podcast, pretty much, they switched over, and I'm now, I'm now talking about VCU because Wichita State has canceled due to COVID concerns, and now we're playing VCU, which is kind of funny because they're actually in the same conference and actually kind of in the same boat. So a little bit of preview on VCU. They are losing quite a few of their key players and returning uh, a, a good one in Nashon Highland. He's a sophomore guard. He shot a little bit over 45% uh, from three last year, I believe, and scored around nine points per game as a sophomore, or no, as a freshman, excuse me. So he's he's a shooter. He's legit. Um, they do have some other good guards and, and forwards returning. They're... Their season didn't finish quite as they would hope last year. They did finish number eight in the Atlantic 10. Uh, but VCU is a team that, once again, they are always talked about. They're always there. They always seem to find a way into the tournament. And I do believe that they're a little bit better, um, at least ranking-wise, than Wichita State. So this is actually a bump on our strength of schedule and would be fantastic if we could get this win. Um, we would also... If we get this win, most likely be playing West Virginia, uh, the number 13 ranked team in the nation. So this tournament is a big deal, Aggie Nation. It's right off the bat. We're going to learn a lot about our team. But also, if we can come away with some key wins here, we will be in a good position moving forward with the rest of the season. And so I apologize for this little little tidbit here about VCU instead of Wichita State. Uh, but yes, the Aggies are playing VCU. 
and we will be playing them tomorrow night at 7.30, I believe. So make sure you tune into that. Uh, it should be a great game. It should be fun to watch. And uh, be on the lookout. Uh, my kind of hidden gem to be on the lookout for, Rolly Worcester. Remember this guy's name from Montana. He is a beast. I really believe that on defense and on offense, he is going to make a difference. And let's just hope that he uh, can shoot as well as he did in high school. So this is kind of the little preview into the VCU basketball team. So overall opinions about the season and about this basketball team. First of all, I am just so excited about Aggie basketball. Every single year it rolls around. It just gives me goosebumps. I get the goosies because Utah State basketball is normally fantastic and especially recently. I mean, we've been doing great. Coach Smith has this thing humming. He's a fantastic coach. We've got fantastic players, great team. So I am very excited to see how this season goes. Once again, don't be surprised if uh, the first two weeks here, we're still searching for our, our identity and who we are as a team. But also don't be surprised if our team shows a lot of grit and uh, you know comes out looking really good. I'm, I'm hoping the former or the latter will be the case. And uh, we'll just see kind of where we're going forward. Uh, another opinion. So I just have a lot of questions on our backcourt. Uh you know, Marco Anthony, Steven Ashworth, Rolly Worcester, Sean Barstow, a lot of great names, great players, but it's just questions, you know, how are they going to perform in the Mountain West Conference? We know how Sean Barstow did, you know, great player, uh, but Marco Anthony, Steven Ashworth, these are great point guards, you know, when they're in high school and, and in college. However, it's been a while and, and now they're going up against Mountain West competition. So we'll see how they do. Um, the bottom line for me is that backcourt. Um, this is actually from the mountainwest.com, but they say the swing factor for the Aggies will be the perimeter rotation and whether any player or players can emerge as a true creative force with the ball in their hands. Uh, Miller, Anderson, and the freshmen should give the team enough shooting, so plenty of eyes will be on Ashworth and Anthony to see how they adapt to life in the Mountain West. That's kind of what I believe as well. And that first part, who's going to emerge as a creative force with the ball? And that's, it's very choice wording because, you know, you look at points per game and everything like that. You can get points per game without really having a creative guy. But Sam Merrill was creative in the way that he got his points. And that is what's very hard to defend, you know, facing the Aggies. And so if we don't have that creative force and if we just have the guys that we do and and, you know, we're passing, we're moving the ball well, that actually becomes easier to defend than having one or two players that can really create their own shots. So hopefully Justin Bean will develop into that. Hopefully Marco Anthony will also develop into that. And uh, in general, there's just a lot of, once again, a lot of players that can step up and a lot of players that can be that X factor going forward. So I'm just excited to see who's that going to be and uh, who's going to step up. We also have a lot of newcomers, and so you know, seeing them is going to be very interesting and to see how they do. And hopefully, once again, hopefully they let fans in the stadium, in the spectrum, because if they don't, I will be heartbroken. However, we should be able to still watch all the all the basketball games, and this podcast is going to keep you guys updated. Uh, once basketball season rolls around, you know, it might go into a couple different things. We might release fifteen minute segments on. On the teams, we might release one big episode like this once a week, showcasing you know both of the next matchups. So I don't know. I don't know how it's going to be. I do luckily have a few connections with the basketball team, so I'm hoping to be able to get a lot of interviews and uh, and hopefully put out good content for you guys, for the Utah State consumer, 
an Aggie fan because I'm an Aggie fan when it comes down to it in the end of the day. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Share the podcast with your friends, with your family, with anybody interested in Aggie basketball. I think a lot of people have question marks just like I do. And hopefully this this podcast was able to answer some of them. Uh, you know, the, the team is going to be the, the ones that really answer those questions. But if you have people that, you know, are asking you questions about this Aggie basketball team, send them my way. Uh, send them to this podcast. And I uh, just want to say thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you so much for being Aggie fans. You know, it's not easy when sports are, are rough and, and in this COVID time. However, it, it is a blessing to be able to watch this Utah State basketball team and, and to be able to watch sports in general. So hopefully this team will be, uh, you know, that hope going forward. And, and once again, guys, I'm just excited. So Wichita State Wednesday, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, be on the lookout for this Utah State basketball team, guys. And uh, for the breakdown, my name is Cole Noel. Thank you so much for listening and have a great rest of your day.